She is a lifestyle blogger, published author, bucket list crosser, and a girl that's a little obsessed with pandas. Her mission? To bring you Utah's most influential people. Each week, Nina will get personal with her guests as they share their messages in hopes to inspire you. Are you ready? Welcome to the Nina Talks Podcast. Annette Barney loves the power of Pinterest to send referral traffic to websites and inspire everyday projects. As the owner and founder of a pin concierge, a Pinterest management agency, she helps small businesses' sites grow their following and new leads by specializing in pin discovery. She holds weekly conversations about the introverts platform on her podcast. As a graduate of Brigham Young University, she's dedicated to lifelong learning by serving on the Ethios Academy Charter School Board. She still hobby blogs at favemom.com. Welcome, Annette. I'm so excited to have you on. I'm so glad to be here. It's wonderful to be on your show. Thank you. I am so excited. So Annette is the person you want to go to if you have any question about Pinterest. And I'm really excited because I have all these fun questions that I'm going to ask her, you guys. And I hope that you learn a little bit more about Pinterest and the potential of it because I feel like a lot of people don't know. Oh, I think a lot of people don't know. I'm happy to share everything I know about Pinterest. Yes. There are no secrets. <laughs> I am so excited. So we're going to dive right in and get you know Annette and hopefully you leave today's podcast learning a little bit about Pinterest and what you can do to help your brand succeed and some tips as well that just hopefully it'll help you out. So we're going to start with, can you tell us about Pin Concierge and how that started? Sure. So I have been in the blogging space as a um, a hobby blogger for about three years now. And when you're in that space, you spend a lot of time learning how to do various blogging things, including your social media, your Pinterest, your WordPress, all of that kind of stuff. And um, even though I was doing it solely as a hobby and not as a money generating or revenue generating thing, I had many friends who were in the blogging space who do actually earn a lot of money. And one of my friends came to me um, actually a little over a year ago and said, I can't handle this Pinterest stuff anymore. She's like, you understand it. When you talk about it, it makes sense. You want to help me? And I was like, oh, okay, sure. I'll help you. And I started helping her and I realized I actually do understand a lot about this. And I know a lot of things that other people hadn't quite caught on to or haven't spent had the time to learn. And I realized that there's this definite situation where a lot of influencers, bloggers, they, they want to monopolize on Pinterest, but they just don't have the time. I mean, it takes time. It takes effort. You got to keep learning a platform. And I said, oh, well, I am going to work on this and we're going to create a business around this and we're going to help influencers and bloggers have the opportunity to utilize this platform that likes them and wants to send traffic to their website so that they can spend more time creating because that's what they do great. I found I was not a creator. I am not someone who can look at anything and say, let's make it into this. (laughs) I am someone who says, what's a great system to make this happen? And what's the best way to leverage these analytics? That's how I function. So I actually love that because we need people like you. We need you because a lot of people, I'm, I'm a creative when it comes to that point of view too. And I'm I'm so lost when it comes to Pinterest. I really am. So can you explain to us, you know, what exactly does a full service Pinterest account management does? Okay. So um, I am what's also called a Pinterest strategist. So I help people 
who have content on their website figure out the best way to schedule it out through their scheduling service and how to revive old content at the right times of the year and look at their Google Analytics and their Pinterest Analytics and determine what is your lead content, what do we need to make it need to do to make it show up more, what kinds of things are starting to drop in their uh views and impressions and how do we need to change that do we need new images do we need to change up copy um a lot of people kind of decide they want to pivot their blog they may have been doing Mm -hmm. lifestyle and they've realized you know what nobody cares about these sections so i need to narrow it down and niche down to just the food or just you know the parenting advice and so then they need somebody to come in and say well what do i do with all this content i have that i'm not really working on anymore but it still can drive traffic and it's still valuable to me how how do i work with that so We not only plan and strategize for them, we also offer services of the scheduling. We also offer services of going into the back end of websites and putting in those Pinterest descriptions and the data that you need in there so that when users pin from your site, it's better. We also offer services of creating more images. So Mm -hmm. you can turn over your entire Pinterest world of concern to us, and we're just going to take care of it for you and and at whatever level you want because some people really want to still be involved and that's Uh great we're happy to have you involved i love that no that's really cool and how does pinterest actually drive you know for listeners that don't really understand how does it actually drive views and you know business to your blog or okay so it's really interesting um ben silverman who is the founder of pinterest Uh well one of the founders he's co-founder um he recently spoke at shop talk which is a large conference for advertising and shopping and and stuff like that and he was so interesting because he says right out loud he says pinterest is not and i'm paraphrasing he says pinterest is not interested in keeping you on our platform we are interested in helping you discover the things that you need shortening the gap between when you find what inspires you and being able to act on it, whether that's to buy it or to make it or to, you know, use it, and then to be able to get on with the life where you're using those things. So yeah. I, I, right there, their mission okay. involves providing you with what you need and providing you, the user, with what they need. Often, because of the way Pinterest is set up where people are pinning from other websites, means you're going and looking at a website to get that more information, mm-hmm. whether it's an e-commerce site or a blog or you know, you can pin from any website on the web, well, with limitations to their terms and conditions, but you can pin from just about every website. And so Pinterest is interested in sending their pinners to your website because that's where they're going to get their inspiration and their discovery, which I should back up a little and say Mm -hmm. Pinterest is often referred to as a social media and it does get categorized as that, but it's not. Pinterest Mm -hmm. calls itself a visual discovery engine. I can see that. So it means people go to Pinterest seeking ideas, seeking inspiration, seeking ways to solve problems or create. They're usually in the space very early in their planning. Mm -hmm. And so they're saying things like, I want to go to Europe. Well, what do I want to do when I go to Europe? Do I want to just, well, I know I want to go to Italy, but what should I do in Italy? And they go to Pinterest for things like Italy travel tips and Italy best places to stay and things like that. And so they're early in their they're planning. So Pinterest gives them inspiration and ideas through these pins, and they go to your websites to find more detail on that information so that they can save it to their own boards and come back to it later. Wow. I love that. I think that it's Pinterest to me, it's so interesting. Do you feel like it can be more niche specific if, for example, the food bloggers or 
travel bloggers, like you mentioned, if someone's looking for a travel content, do you feel as those brands or those bloggers, they succeed a little bit more on Pinterest or do you feel like everyone across the board can reach that success as well? So I feel that just about anything that's a website can find success. The only, so when you're saying niches, Niches, okay, the top, I think, four or five niches on Pinterest that get the most traffic and interest are things like food, wedding, travel, fashion, and I'm missing one. Well, we're going to go with those four because that's okay. what I'm remembering. But those are pretty good. Those, yeah. those okay. are pretty big. And yeah. um, and I guess parenting would be the fifth okay. one. So those niches do really, really well. Gotcha. But people sometimes have this belief that Pinterest is just for girls, mm-hmm. that it's a mom platform. So not. Uh-huh. There is – so – 50, you know, one in two signups right now is men. And so men get on Pinterest, they are using it. There's a huge growth, so potential for all of those things. But you do want to have, know who you're targeting when you get on Pinterest. I mean, if you're just wandering on there and not sure what to do, of course, you're not going to get the results you want. Uh, But you can do really well. And it's important to know what your kind of niche is. I think in general, websites do better when they have a niche and a purpose and a goal of who, what audience they're going to help. So that is an important thing. But those major ones do really well. But I have clients who are in much more subgenres and groups that wouldn't even show up in a general interest level. They're just so niched in their subject matter. Okay. But they still do really well because pinners are out there looking for that information. Okay, that no, that's really interesting to me. So, you mentioned earlier about ads and you know how you help the people that come to you. You help them with ads and targeting specific audience. How does you know how do Pinterest ads work? I, I've seen them as I'm scrolling, but I'm not exactly show, sure how to go about doing them. Okay, so I could talk quite some time on Pinterest promoted <laughs> pins, which. Of course, every, you know, platform has their own special names, and Pinterest calls ads promoted pins. Okay. And um, promoted pins are just there in your feed, and they look just like everything else, except for a little arrow that indicates it and says promoted by. So you're interested in finding out what, it sounds like you're asking me, how do, how do people go about having promoted pins? Mm-hmm. Or if, I guess maybe I'll make it a little bit easier. So if, for example... I have a fitness account, a fit, fitness blog. Okay. So how would I go about, if I really want to promote a post about yoga, for example, would mm-hmm. you, for some reason in my head, I've always thought that the Pinterest ads are for brands that are trying to sell you something. So how would I go about promoting a blog post about yoga if I'm not really, I mean, I'm not really selling something. I'm just trying to get the views and, you know, mm-hmm. lead people to my site. Is that how it works, or am I confused on this? (laughs) No, you're not. You're not confused, actually. It turns out that what you would do as an influencer or blogger is almost the exact same process that a big-budget company would do, except the big-budget company has a bigger budget. Sure. So promoted pins, you can have different types of campaigns. Uh, I always kind of tell people, think of it a little bit more like if you were advertising with Google, less like you're advertising with Facebook. Okay. your campaign types involve advertising as a video or advertising as a pin or advertising for brand awareness or advertising for traffic. And I always recommend advertising for traffic. Brand okay. awareness is you're paying by the impressions, which means if that pin shows up in somebody's feed and they scroll right by it, that's an impression. 
And so you can spend a lot of money and not necessarily always get a lot of return. So that's where it's a little different. Those big brands, they'll pay for brand awareness. I suggest smaller bloggers, influences. You're paying for traffic. Traffic means you pay by the click when they come to your website. And part of, so you're saying I have a blog post on yoga. Mm -hmm. You can create a pin and you can just promote that pin, sending people to that blog post on your website. And that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. But usually when you have, when you're going to spend ad money, Mm -hmm. you don't want to just be like, I'm just going to advertise this. You want to have a goal in mind. Are you trying to increase the traffic? Usually um, just trying to increase traffic is not the best end goal. The best end goal for your advertising campaigns on Pinterest are things like capturing an email for your subscriber list or having people opt in for a product you also sell. Um, Something like that is usually the goal you want to go for with your promoted pins. And the process is pretty simple. You design a creative, which is your Pinterest pin. You're going to put it out there on Pinterest, and then you're going to target it with various audiences. I could take you through the whole process, but you basically are creating Mm -hmm. a campaign. You have audiences you target, and then you will take it. You'll put in a bid for your pins, and there's some minimum floors on that. This is so interesting to me, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll put in your bids, and you can bid anywhere from, if we're just talking about a pin creative, which is just your Uh standard pin image, um, traffic, you can bid as low as $0.10 a click, and then it can go up as high as you want. Of course, you can pay a lot more if you'd like. I don't recommend it. Um, (laughs) And there's some tweaks to figuring out what's a good price to pay and what kinds of ad groups you should set up and stuff like that. But that's the general process, and then you just run the pin. The biggest tip I have to always tell people, because a lot of people come to me with success on Facebook and on Instagram, mm-hmm. and it, they, they function very, very differently. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, the biggest thing that I need to tell people is Pinterest, you have to plan for a long-term advertising campaign. You don't just boost a pin for mm-hmm. one day or just put $5 behind it or something like that. You're looking at a campaign that can last over three to four weeks like I recommend a month for most ad campaigns so you have to be prepared for a certain amount every day that you're going to be spending on it Mm -hmm. so unfortunately for a lot of people that said that makes people say Pinterest is kind of expensive for advertising and my response is is if you sell a product and every time you spend two dollars you get ten dollars in sales why wouldn't you spend two dollars I mean, okay. if the ATM worked that way, I'd go to the ATM every day. Oh, my gosh, right? <laughs> okay, so in overall, so for example, if you were to spend the four weeks, um, what's a ballpark? Give, me, give us an idea of how much could a person be spending on a creative? Right? A creative well, yeah. so you're going to have more than one pin image you're promoting oh, gotcha. because your okay. ad group can have multiple pins in oh. it, and they can all go to the, diff- the same place wow. or they can go to different destinations. There's, Interesting. There's, it's all based on your goal. Because okay. if your goal is something like I want to increase email subscribers, you might have a opt-in page that's okay. a straight opt-in uh-huh. for email, and you might also have a blog post that talks about the you know your blog and things in it, and you could send pins to both of those in your advertising, oh. and um, then you would be paying for clicks on either pin to each location. Okay, so. To give you, it's hard to say what's the ballpark. Uh What I can tell you is I've run several ad campaigns, and they range from anywhere from, you know, a couple hundred dollars to five or six hundred dollars. That's usually the range I'm working in in a one-month period. You can do them for less. There are people who, you know, spend two dollars a day 
on, okay. on an ad campaign, and that can be done. I haven't run any at that level okay. um, because usually I'm looking with clients at a, at a bigger, bigger goal, and so they've got a money set aside. But the big question is when you run a business, how much can you afford? And then we can max. You can usually maximize within whatever your budget is. Interesting. Okay, that's that's very interesting to me. I know that there are also services and different tools that you can use to help you when you're pinning certain things, right? Yeah. So there's tail, Tailwind, right? Is that what it's called? Have it, you ever used that, or what do you think about it? Okay, so there, first I should say there's a lot of services that utilize the API for Pinterest. Some are what we call marketing approved what do they, they call it? Approved marketing partners. Okay. So that means Pinterest has said, we not only allow them to use our API, which is their uh, associated programming interface, we endorse them for Very what they do. Because okay. you can get access to the API and not necessarily be endorsed by Pinterest. It's it's a weird thing. Okay. One is like the stamp of approval. One is just you're using our agreed mm. development program. Okay. Um, and Tailwind is an approved marketing partner. Okay. And I love Tailwind. Um, in fact, I, I don't take on clients who don't want me to use Tailwind. <laughs> um, okay. So Tailwind is wonderful. It gives you this um, very easy interface to pull pins from Pinterest to schedule or pull pins from websites Ooh, on the web. Okay. And you can pull those pins. You can put them, schedule them out to go to different boards on your own account over a period of time, as well as it okay. now has a feature that we absolutely love called Smart Loop, which will take content that's a little older that's been sitting on your account and will revive it at regular intervals oh, for you. Okay. Now, granted, Tailwind, everything, every extra feature will cost you a little mm -hmm. something. Base account is great for people who are starting out. You get a little bit of smart loops, you get the scheduling feature, and then you get another great thing that they have called tribes. So oh, okay. I don't know. I've heard of those. Okay. Some people do Facebook threads where share threads where you drop a pin and then the next four people have to share that pin and stuff okay. so this eliminates that whole headache and does it within the approved api of pinterest Ooh, okay. how tribes work is people who belong to tailwind can join a tribe and then they can put their pin in it and other people who are in the tribe share that through their scheduling in tailwind so you're automatically getting others to share your content out on pinterest which is always valuable Interesting, because I was going to say, if you are on Pinterest and if you try to grow it and, you know, have all these pins or all these boards, that's got to be a lot of time. So with Tailwind, do you feel like it just kind of cuts that time because it kind of does it automatically for you? And So it doesn't do everything automatically, but it mm, definitely okay. cuts the time. If you were trying, so most of my clients need between 10 and 30 pins scheduled every day. Okay. So could you imagine if you were trying oh to gosh. sit down every day in the Pinterest itself to, you know, put out 30 pins at various intervals throughout the day? I mean, this would, this would absolutely kill somebody's day. You, uh -huh. It's all you would be doing. Whereas with Tailwind, you can schedule those out. And the best part is Tailwind creates a schedule for you based on when you, people who've been repinning your content have been active. So its little AI figures all of that out for you, creates a schedule that's optimal for you. And then you get to put your pins in, and they go out at regular intervals. It doesn't prevent you from still getting on the platform and doing live pinning, which I still recommend okay, to that's people. Okay, I was going to say. Okay. Because um, people always ask me, do you live pin? And mm -hmm. with all my clients, we do still get in and live pin from time to time. It, we are not a solely live pinning service. There okay. are people who out there who that's, that's, that's all they the do. thing. They'll, they'll live pin for you on a, on a regular wow. basis. 
Um, we are not. We are a scheduling mixed with a little bit of live pinning just because you have to be in the account. You can't oh, not sure. be there. You need to look. Pinterest changes. Interfaces change. Um, and it's important to see what's showing up in the feed of this account. Are we are we pinning things that represent what we want to see? Because if it if what Pinterest shows your account doesn't match what you're pinning, uh-huh. there's going to be some there disconnect there. Pinterest isn't understanding your account. Gotcha. So, so when it comes to your account... Um, so this numbers, do numbers really matter? Because I know that some people have a lot of views, some people have a lot of followers, or they have a lot of boards. Do, do any of that matters in a way? Or You don't have to have a gigantic account to get good referral from Pinterest. You okay. Obviously, you cannot have a zero account uh-huh. and expect Pinterest <laughs> to do anything for right. you. There is a build-up process on accounts. It's... Um, it takes some time to get traction on Pinterest. Pinterest isn't an immediate results kind of thing. So I, I've had a few companies come to me where they say, hey, we want to launch with Pinterest. And I'll say, okay, but be prepared. It's going to be anywhere from three to six months before your account gets traction. Interesting. And that's okay. not uncommon in Pinterest. In If you want to do an advertising campaign, things can be very different. But usually people are coming to me with organic growth goals. So organic growth, we're looking at a three- to six-month period before you get some traction on that account. And sometimes I've talked to people who've been bloggers, and they've used Pinterest for a year, and they haven't gotten a lot of traction. So you need to understand it's, it's the slow burn. But the great thing about Pinterest is it keeps on giving. So that post you made a year ago about fitness or yoga... It may you may have made it in January when everybody uh-huh. was looking yeah. for yoga and fitness, and the people keep coming for it all through the year because so it turns true. out people adopt some exercise at different times of the year, uh-huh. and then again when January comes around, it boosts higher because people are searching for it more, and it's already got traction and juice behind it, so to speak, on Pinterest. So even though it takes longer to get that traction going, once it's going those posts keep referring for years. I know people who their most constant referral from Pinterest is a post they created five years ago and they just keep getting it because it shows up in the search and when they revive it at the right times of the year, people are looking for that. Interesting. So when you revive a pin, for example, do you change? So if you go on your, on your blog post, I guess, and there's different images and maybe you've created a pinnable image at the beginning, but do you change those images when you're repinning it to your Pinterest account, or do you just keep reviving the same pin? If that, so, if I'm pr- in the yeah, I right. totally understand okay. what you're asking. You're basically saying you just keep using the same image over and over again. Uh-huh. And you can keep using the same image over and over again. Recently, Pinterest has come out saying you are going to have more dim- – they're going to – put out more diminishing returns with the mm-hmm. same image. Okay. So they are encouraging what they like to call fresh content. It's code for a new image. There's yeah, a couple other things that could make it fresh content. But the big <laughs> thing is that it's a new image. So often with clients, I'm suggesting you should have more than one image. Or if it's really old, let's create a new image. Because gotcha. also, over the years, Pinterest changes. Oh, yeah. So I let's say, I think it was probably about four years ago, you could do what we call giraffe pins, which were super, super long pins oh, yeah. that I took would, up all... Seen those. So yeah. Pinterest has basically, they've begun cutting off pins. That so people sense. have okay. giraffe pins, but they only, you know, only half of it is showing up in the feed oh. because Pinterest cuts it off. Okay. So Pinterest has also informed us, well, you can keep putting those giraffe pins out, but if it's supposed to take up, you know, 
two, two lengths of a pin, it has to have twice as much interaction for us to share it again with somebody else. So they're saying you're going to want to stick with these sizes we're working with. Um, And so when you're talking about reviving content, usually if you have an older post, you probably have this too long of a pin. So the suggestion is going to be let's make a pin that optimizes for current sizing and then it's going to do better on Pinterest. Interesting. You'll probably still always get the search referral Uh because – when somebody puts in a search, that's the pin that's going to show up because oh, it's been sure. there for six years. For a long time, yeah. Um, but somebody who – I would say a lot of people spend time in their smart feed, and their smart feed is that home page you oh, come okay, to in Pinterest. Okay. So when you open up Pinterest, the first thing you see is called the smart feed. Interesting. And that smart feed is a mixture of partly ads, partly people you follow, and partly things Pinterest thinks you'll – be interested in based on what you've searched looked and pinned Mm -hmm. in the past okay and so if people are following you your giraffe pin isn't really going to be put in there but that new image you pin is going to be put in that smart feed and that's the one where the default first feed everybody gets into everybody's going to see that and that's what the one that they're going to click on okay interesting the other question along with that is so is there a certain image that does better? You know, certain images have words mm-hmm. in explaining you, you know, how to lose weight or whatever, or there's a photo of a food or mm-hmm. a recipe. So do you, can you, do you see so that from the background? Let me tell you some very basic best practices okay. for images. And these best practices have been working for some time. Okay. And you will hear of exceptions. So I'm just going to say that right now. But <laughs> here's the best practices for images. You want to make sure you have a vertical image. You want it to be a ratio of two to three. And um, I always have to explain that because a lot of people want to take their Instagram images and just put mm-hmm. them on Pinterest. And okay. square is not bad. It's better than horizontal, but it's not as good. You want to take up okay. the full amount you can in the feed with your pin size. Okay. So you want to go with a vertical image. And then that image, you want to have good photography. Mm-hmm. It's a visual platform. Um, you'll hear people say, oh, but that ugly photo I took t- 10 years ago and put on my blog still drives uh-huh. traffic. Yes, <laughs> but you took it 10 years ago. That's why it's driving traffic still yeah. is it's been around for a long time. Your new images let. Let's do our best to get good photography of things. And you want that photography to be somewhat aspirational because people are looking for great ideas and they're looking to be inspired either in their everyday or in special moments. So you want to make sure that it's an aspirational image. And then text overlay is the next best thing to go on that image. And text overlay should have some type of informational call to action for the pinner. Something as simple as this is the type of recipe it is or something that indicates uh, what the information is that they're going to be going to when they leave Pinterest so that they understand. So the picture and the words together can draw the pinner in. Now, I know recently a lot of people have said, oh, but my my, uh, travel photos that are just beautiful images do really, really well. You'll find it a lot of times just by pinners but they don't necessarily translate to pinners coming to your website because they're just gathering pretty photos, but they're Mm -hmm. not necessarily coming to your website. So you want to make sure it's vertical. You want to have aspirational images. You want to put a text overlay on it, and you want to keep that text overlay a very clear, simple font. We all love brush script. It looks so pretty, but we want to make sure to keep it clear. Um, One time I heard somebody say, Think of your pin as a billboard on the interstate. Ooh, okay. And 
if you can't read what the billboard says really fast, you're not going to pay any attention to it. And it's the same with the pin. You're looking to stop somebody's thumb in their scroll, and you need a clear message with your text. So those are kind of the best practices. Um, The the only other uh, thing I would say about images is you want your pictures not only to be aspirational, but if you have products, you want to try and make sure you have a product image and a lifestyle image. Lifestyle meaning the product in use. Okay. So uh, those are the kinds of things that this is, this is. These are great tips, you guys. She's like giving us all of her best tips for free here. Told you there's no secrets. <laughs> She's I, like, I there's nothing I know that I'm not willing to share. I so. think that's amazing. I think that's great. One thing that you mentioned, you did talk about Instagram and how, let's say the Instagram influencers, for example, mm-hmm. they'll try to, you know, somehow bring traffic does that work really well with Instagram? Because I know it's a website in a way. It's mm-hmm. a social media. Can you bring traffic from? So I've experimented here and there yeah. with some of that. Okay. Um, so first off, you need to understand how different the two platforms are. Okay. So Instagram, yes, people do get some inspiration and some interest. But the way you interact on Instagram is it's an engagement platform. Mm-hmm. You are there to see what your friends, family, celebrities, other people are doing and how they are living. You're not looking to see what you can do for yourself. Okay. And so, and Pinterest is about going, people go to see what they can do for themselves. And so your images on Instagram that draw people into engagement there have a lot of faces on them. And traditionally faces are not strong images on Pinterest. Pinterest. Oh, celebrities okay, are always a different to me. Okay, I didn't know that. Th- they're always an exception, celebrities. But th- that's where we kind of run into a problem: is that your Instagram images may not translate well to Pinterest because one, they're the wrong size; they're square, and two, <laughs> because they usually contain a lot of selfies and and mm-hmm. people and faces. Pinterest, you want your images to help people see how they can be living that life. Okay, so that makes sense. So, First, you need to understand the differences in the platform. You may now still have images that could do quite well on Pinterest. A lot of fashion bloggers can transfer over between the two because fashion is going to have to have a person in it. It often does. Um, So Pinterest has a couple of things that they've done to try and make them more Instagram friendly. Now within your Pinterest account, you can claim your Instagram account so that when anything from Instagram is pinned to Pinterest from your – like of your account – it will be associated with your Pinterest account. So it gives it a little extra metadata in the background and some things like that. So that can kind of help. The trickiest part we have whenever we want to drive traffic to an Instagram account is we have no idea what traffic got driven there. The analytics in Pinterest tell us about website traffic, Mm, and they tell us about what goes on inside Pinterest, but it doesn't tell us who showed up on Instagram to look at your account. So there's an analytics missing there that we can't get the information about. Um, And as far as I can tell, Instagram's analytics don't give us that information either. I don't think so. Like it doesn't tell you where somebody came if they came to Instagram. So we have a pretty big disconnect there. But you can claim the account which helps uh, the Instagram photos do better. And then I always, if I can, can, I like to set up clients with an an if this then that, IFTTT. So that whenever they post to Instagram, if they put in a certain hashtag, it'll automatically put it on a board on their Pinterest. And so that puts those images there so people can see them. And if they do see them, they can go across to your Instagram. 
Interesting. Okay. And that's an approved process by Pinterest. Some people ask me, they're like, whoa, is that okay? Are we allowed? And it's like Pinterest made the IFTT. So okay. you can do it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm like mind blown right now because I am not the best on my Pinterest. I would admit that. But I feel like the information that you have given us today, anyone can go and start Oh, working on it, you know, working on it and then come to you afterwards and say, hey, <laughs> please take over and do this because, you know, it, I'm sure it can be overwhelming to people. So it can. Yeah, it, it's, it's really a matter of make sure you have a, at least one image. I recommend three per post. But if you only have one, that's fine. Start there. Mm -hmm. There's no reason yeah. to go overboard trying to do a lot of work and then just get those p pins scheduling out through a scheduler like Tailwind and try to remain active on the platform regularly and you're you'll start to see success if but it requires consistency like i said it's uh -huh. a slow burn but the slow burn happens with your consistency and you'll get wow. results i'm excited i'm excited to go home and work on my pinterest <laughs> <laughs> this is great okay guys so we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back we're gonna test Annette's knowledge on Utah. This has been the funnest thing that I've done with all my guests and kind of seeing what they know about the, you know, our home state. So we'll be right back. According to U.S. News and World Records, 80% of New Year's resolutions fell by February. Are you part of that 80%? I personally think that there's nothing to be ashamed about. Um, the things that I've have heard is that you don't have time, the gym is expensive, you don't know what you're doing, and you're just tired. And guess what? There is a solution for that. What I recommend is work out from your own home. Start with body weights and, uh, you know, body weights work out until you feel like you are confident enough. And it doesn't cost you a lot of money, too, because I feel like a lot of people have that as their excuse. You know, it's expensive. I don't want to drive somewhere. And you end up just being at home. Here's the cool part of bodyweight workouts. You can actually get certain equipments to help you out, such as dumbbell, resistance bands, or just yoga mats and practice yoga. There are so many things that you can add to your home that will help you get that really good workout. My favorite one-stop shop, which happens to be one of our sponsors, is ProSourceFit.com. This is where I get all of the equipment that I need at home and just on the go, you guys. I take my resistance bands with me everywhere I go, as well as my yoga blocks and my yoga mat. But I recommend you checking them out just because they have some really good products and everything is pretty reasonably priced. You're not expending a lot of money. And remember... This is not, you know, a gym where you're spending all this money monthly and you kind of build your own little gym at your house. So I think it's fun. I think it's a great solution for a lot of us that just feel like we don't have the time to, you know, go to a gym. And the fun thing is that Nina Talks listeners actually get a 15% off discount from their website. So all you have to do is go to www.prosourcefit.com and use code Nina Talks. 15 at checkout and that will give you 15% off. Again, that's www.prosourcefit.com and you use your code N-I-N-A-T-A-L-K-S-1-5 at checkout for 15% off. Thank you again to ProSourceFit. And we're back. Okay, you guys, so it's time for me to test out Annette's knowledge about Utah and I hope you're ready for this. <laughs> as ready as I'm going to get. I yes. mean, I've lived here long enough. I should know something. But. Perfect. Okay. 
We're going to start with hopefully an easy one. So what is the state flower of Utah? The seagull lily? Yes. Hey. Okay, you're definitely the first person that's gotten this right so far. <laughs> oh, really? Time. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny because, yeah, everyone's like... I think I it's just because, like, we live by seagull lily drive, oh, so I wondered what it was. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> and then... Uh, how about what is the official state tree of Utah? State tree? Oh, I don't know that one as well. I would take a guess at the boxwood. Ooh, close. No. So it's an aspen. Oh, that makes so much better yeah. sense. I, I mean, it took me a minute too after a while. I was like, oh yeah, they're like everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm thinking in my valley thinking and there's okay. no aspens here, but the aspens are all in the mountains. In the mountains. So yep. it makes complete you drive sense. drive up the mountains and they're everywhere. Okay, let's see if we can guess this one. What is the state animal of Utah? Uh, well, I know the bird's the seagull, but that's not the animal. Cougar? Ooh, close. So it's actually the Rocky Mountain elk. It's in a Rocky Mountain oh, elk, yeah. My husband Which... is going to be so sad that I didn't know that. <laughs> He's a hunter and he hunts elk, so he, oh, he no will way. be like, you didn't know that. He'll be like, really? <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. Everyone's like, wait. <laughs> okay, last one. What is this Utah state fruit? The state fruit? I didn't even know we had these things. Um, the state fruit. Although I did know we have a state cooking pot. But uh, fruit, pear? Okay. I mean, that's that's a good guess. <laughs> I'm just thinking of a fruit I like to eat that's grown oh, here. There so. you go. There you go. It's actually a cherry cherry yeah is that random but at the same time when i so i used to live up in the avenues and Mm -hmm. there's cherry trees everywhere up there so that's when i was like oh okay this make kind of makes sense well and we do have a lot of cherry orchards all throughout the area because i know in the like early summer we get a lot of local cherry yes that we can and they're so delicious oh Oh my gosh they're so good i sort of sat there after you said fruit and i thought oh i wonder if it was raspberries for bear lake which i also thought that because bear lake yeah but i guess Cherry, cherry makes sense. I mean, that was pretty good. So you only got two wrong out of the five. So hey, yeah, that's pretty good. So the state specials, I had no yeah. idea. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome, and okay. And then before we go, I like to ask all my guests this just for fun, and because I'll, as you know, I'm huge into having a bucket list and completing things on it. Will you tell us what's on your bucket list? So one thing that I want to do is I want to build a life-size origami. So I have kind of this hobby of doing origami on the side, but I want to build one that's like giant life-size, maybe an origami Christmas tree or just a really giant origami crane the size of a human because it's not a simple thing to do. You have to have special kinds of paper. You can't just you know, put together a bunch of Xerox paper and end up with it. But I think that would be a cool thing to build. And then the other thing that I have, I have many things on my bucket list. Oh, I love you know, it. I love narrow, it. Narrowing down is always <laughs> the harder part. Um, I, I want to visit places like Sweden and stuff. But the another thing that I have on there is I want to eat one of those really expensive $50 hamburgers that yes. you can get at like <laughs> the Stein Erickson Lodge in Deer Valley, where oh, okay. they basically take a filet mignon and they grind it up and they put it in it on a burger. And because I'm, I'm curious, does that taste a lot better? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just want to know. <laughs> I love that. That's pretty amazing to me. So 
<laughs> with your origami, have you been practicing it, or do you do you know how to make anything with it? I do. Um, I I have a few models in my head that I could okay. I could fold if I needed to right away. Most of the time, I kind of have to do a little research or have to think for a while on it and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I I do blog posts for my hobby blogging about oh. origami, so I'll fold stuff and I do little videos and things like that. Most oh, yeah, of my origami right. falls into the easy category. I'm not an origami artist. There are people who make beautiful things out of origami <laughs> and they like take a piece of paper and they make it look like a live, you know, tarantula oh my and, gosh, and so like they're crazy complicated and they take hours and hours to fold. I'm not at that level. <laughs> I admire that. I'm, I'm more of, I like to call myself an origami crafter. I'm a little more that. on that. People made something cool and I'm able to copy it and just tweak it a little for what I like. No, so. I think it's really fun. It's it's a fun hobby for sure. I yeah. really, I want to learn how to do it myself. So, you know what? I have to go check it on your website. There are, there is origami from like the 3 fold level to the 9000 fold level. So, there's something for everybody. We can all do origami at some level. All of us. <laughs> you should all add this to your bucket list. Truly really try it once and, you know, see if you enjoy it. <laughs> well, yeah. And and it is it's just fun. I actually one of the big things I do with the origami is I have family that lives far away, nieces and nephews. And so I now fold the money I send them <gasps> into something and I mail that oh to my them. Gosh. Um, and so that's sort cute. of how I really got going with it is doing that, that because I felt so weird just sending like my inexpensive <laughs> cash gift in the mail that I was like, I'll fold this into a heart or oh that's sort gosh. of how it started. And now they get animals. I think I sent a pig off to somebody just last week. And I love stuff. that idea. How creative. I think that's so cool. <laughs> it works. It makes it the works. money more fun to receive. There you go. That's true. Except for I worry they're not going to unfold it sometimes. I, I feel like that would be me. I'd be like, well, it's so pretty. I don't want to unfold this. I always have to tell all of them, it's totally okay to unfold it. You do not have to keep the money folded. But some of them want to. They're like, no, I like it. I, I collect them. It. It's. I'm like, Aww. okay. How awesome. And it's been so fun having you on here today. And I feel like I've learned so much about Pinterest and things that I'm hopefully going to go home and put towards my account and you know, learn, and then I'm going to come to you when I can't figure anything out. But um, Send me questions anytime. <laughs> yes. I'm happy to answer yes. them. I'm I mean, really and excited. there's tons of resources aside to me out there on the okay. internet. I'm Honestly, you can Google just about any question and get answers, but I'm always happy to help people. I love it. I love that. Would you mind sharing all of your socials and your information with our listeners and where they can go to find you and, you know, so we can support you? Yeah, so my website is pinconcierge.com. And you can get actually, you can get information about most everything I've said. We've got blog posts from our podcast as well on there. I have a podcast, the Pin Concierge Podcast, so you can find me there. It's on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, all of those good places. And then my social media, I'm on Instagram at Pin Concierge. And of course, I'm on Facebook. And I'm on Twitter at Pin Concierge. Everywhere's Pin Concierge. That's me. Awesome. Um, so, and I'm actually, except for one place, I have a different name. I like to spend time on Reddit, and I'm actually Ooh. the Origami Foodie on Reddit. <gasps> oh my gosh! Okay. So, like because that. Reddit's weird. I don't know if you've it ever used it. It's like you have to build karma. So once you get karma, you don't give it up, but and you can't change your name. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love that, and I love Reddit too. It's so cool. So, and that's, I think that covers all of the major things. And so you can find me in all those places, message me if you want. So, okay. And then for those of you that are, you know, obviously a lot of my listeners are in Utah. Um, she does go to a lot of conferences and she speaks at some conferences yeah. as well. So if you don't mind telling them if there's any conference coming up. That- um, so I 
will be speaking in April, which I don't don't know when this is releasing. I will be speaking in April at Snap Conference, which is a DIY home blogger decor, that kind of stuff, uh, conference, as well as in the summer. That's I guess it's not local to here. I was going to say I'm speaking at Haven Conference, which is out in Atlanta, which is another crafting and DIY conference. And then I'm involved with the Utah Small Business Development Group out of the uh, Larry H. Miller Salt Lake Community College campus. And I'll do presentations there about twice a year has been been what the schedule has been roughly. And I do a beginner's course for Pinterest as well as a Pinterest promoted pins class. Awesome. Thank you so much, Annette, for being part of the show today. Thank you for having me. It was great. I'm so excited. It was great. Thank you. I'll see you guys next time. Bye.